Well, good morning, my friends. It is awesome to see each one of you. So if you would turn with me, we are going to be reading this morning in Isaiah chapter 55. If you're in the church's Bible on page 849. Isaiah 55, page 849. So as I was making some notes of those for us to pray for, we have a lot of friends and family of our church that are sick and hurting and in need of the Lord's work. And those are just those that we know of. Um, Raul and Nina's son, Raul Jr., um, has been diagnosed with cancer, and it, has, um, it is spreading in his organs and in his liver and they hope to find out more tomorrow, but we need the Lord's work in his life. Um, Joe's father, Martin, is, is still sick and um, is advanced in years. My dad is having surgery on his liver tomorrow to remove cancer. Um, Deborah's son, Rick, and his wife, Amanda, she is pregnant, and there are some complications with, with their pregnancy. Um, Bill is sick and at home today, and y'all know if Bill is not here, it's because he's not feeling good. Um, but there are many among us that are not well, and there are many that are here that we are not well and where the Lord wants us. And so as I was praying and asking the Lord for a scripture, he gave me an amazing one here in Isaiah 55. And as we read these words, we'll see that it's pretty straightforward that the prophet Isaiah is inviting God's people and he's inviting them for things that they know that they need. Things like food and water and drink. Things that are so basic. And he invites them to come to the Lord for these things. And how often do we know the things that we need? The things that we know that we are impoverished and that we're missing. The things that um, would make us well. And we do not come to the Lord. And that's what Isaiah is saying. Come to the Lord for the things that you need. And the Lord will give you the things that you don't know you need. Read with me. We'll read verses 1 through part of 3. Isaiah says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight in itself, delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Praise the Lord for his invitation to us this morning. Pray with me. Lord, we declare that you are good, and you alone are good, and, and can give us what is according to your purpose. We bring these friends and family before you, these that are hurting and in need of the great physician, these who are hurting and in need of, of food, in need of drink, in need of your protection and your care. Lord, we, we bring ourselves before you knowing that we are, we are without fullness and completeness without you. We ask that your spirit would be poured out in this house today. That we would come before you, that we would, we would desire your way and your will in each one of us. 
and that, Lord, we would be made whole today as we hear and obey your word. I pray that you would receive our worship and our praise and that your word would come forth to every, every crevice of this house, that your spirit would protect our ears and our spirits as we attune ourselves to you, that you might be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Who else would offer his 
is what is called glory. Glory, glory. This is what is called glory. Glory. This is what is called glory. I need you. 
Good morning. A great morning to come and worship and sing praises to our King. Before we start with our message this morning, I just want to share with you that we're going to start back our Friday night services for celebrating Shabbat in two weeks. So it will be on September the 9th. It's the first Friday after Labor Day. And as usual, we will offer uh, an opportunity for people to come and have dinner together. Uh, please bring your own dinner and, uh, and we'll share that time together and then we'll start our services. We possibly will try to start our services around 6.45 this year. Um, I think that we, have had plenty of time in the 45 minutes for everybody to have their meal and to visit a little bit. So we'll try to get started about 6.45 on our services. And if, uh, just to kind of let you know, we're excited about what God has for us to study this year. Every year, Daniel and I get together and start praying about what it is the messages that God is going to be bringing and uh, for Sunday morning as well as, as Friday evening. And so he and I have been studying over the summer and praying together about the message that he has, that God has for us for Friday night. And we're both very excited about that. It um, 
really is going to be in this understanding more of the spiritual realm. And so if you've been in a place where you just feel like you don't understand the, uh, the fullness, well, I don't either. But we're going to delve in a little bit deeper and understand some things that I think God uh, has for us. And I love this message today because I believe it's almost an introduction to the things that we're going to be studying on Friday night. So if you'll open with me, we're going to be in John. We're going to finish up the book of John today. We're going to be in chapter 21. It's on page 1250. We actually didn't skip chapters 18, 19, and 20, if you're thinking that. We studied those back when we studied Passover and first fruits. So we felt like we had kind of covered those areas. And the Lord has me today in chapter 21. And I'm excited about this message. He began to teach me several years ago about this understanding. And so you may have heard some of this information before. And I was talking to the Lord about that. And he said, but this is so important. We need to be reminded of this place. So he brought me back to... Uh, to share this with you today. He gave me a little different understanding over this than what you might read in your commentaries. And um, I hope to be able to explain that in a, in a way that you will grab hold as I have to the things that the Lord has for us in this chapter. So let's start off by... Um, Let's start off by looking at a few things in John 20, just so you'll know. Kind of, So we've had the resurrection. Jesus has risen from the grave. And then chapter 20 is about what kind of happens that day. And in verse 19, he, you'll see that the same day at evening of the first day of the week, that he meets with his disciples. And... Um, I think that's, he comes in, let's just read that starting in verse 19. He says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and, they, uh, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So it's so, I want you to grab hold of this. So important that we see right here, Jesus comes and he visits with the disciples and uh, meets with them. I love that. It says the doors were shut, so I guess he just walked right through the doors or right through the wall. I think that is so awesome. And, uh, and then he says, peace be with you. And we know that he has talked to them before about his peace, that he would leave his peace with them. Then he says in verse 21, he says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So he's giving them a commission that he's going to send them out into the world. 
But before he does, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. This is when I believe that they were able to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could not come until Jesus had died and been risen and is leaving again. And then he said, I will give to you a helper. Remember, we studied the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago. And so he is providing for them this helper that will go and help them on their way to complete the mission that and the purpose that God has for their lives here. Jesus meets with them a little later again on in that chapter down in like verse 26 that he meets again with the disciples and Thomas wasn't with them on the first time but Thomas is there the second time and so he meets again with them and then we come to chapter 21 starting in verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. So the Lord began to show me how this kind of was. You know, the disciples have had quite a week. They've had quite the week. They've met with Jesus in um, about eight days ago in the upper room and celebrated Passover. And Jesus began to say to them, he said, I'm, you know, the time is here. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And Jesus fulfilled those places. So they saw Jesus die and they saw that he was buried. And then now they've seen that he has risen. But my goodness, there's a lot going on in their heads, isn't there? And then Jesus comes together with them and he says, Now I'm going to be sending you out just as the Father has sent me. I'm going to send you out on this mission and, um, and receive the Holy Spirit, of which they don't even understand exactly how that's going to be and what that looks like. And, um, and then Jesus is gone again. So he's in and out of their lives as these things happen. And so now he's meeting with them again. But in this place, we see that Simon Peter has decided to go fishing. I, I think that I understand this more clearly every time I read this, is that his mind is pretty blown with all the things that have gone on. He's a little overwhelmed. But the one thing that is stable in his life is what he does for a living. So he gets up and goes to work. You know, I thought about all of us, and I thought about how true it is that when things are even chaotic, sometimes we, in our, in our lives, sometimes we find a little rest just in the normalcy of things. And so I think that's where Simon Peter was going back to. He said, I've just got to have some normalness to my life. I'm going back to work. After all, we've got to eat. You know, we've got to, he has a family, you remember? And so he's got to go back and, and 
catch some fish. Uh, he's quite the fisherman, and he actually has a company, not just an individual fisherman. He has a partner, and I think he was quite the fisherman. And, and had a good business going. So he goes back, and I think the others kind of follow him because he's such a strong leader in the group. And so they're like, if you're going fishing, we'll go with you. We'll just all go back to fishing. So that's where we kind of find themselves, is going back here to fish. I want to take a look back a little bit, three years back, and look at the places where we've seen Jesus working in Simon Peter's life and I want to see this in a way that it would help us to see ourselves as Simon Peter sometimes oftentimes quite frankly so if you'll turn with me back a few pages to John 1 it's on page 1221 John 1 verse 35 You remember that this was three years ago. John the Baptist is coming along and declaring, he is the forerunner, remember, of Jesus, and declaring that the Messiah is coming and calling people to repentance. We're going to start in verse 35. It says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus, as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? And they said, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. That's probably about four o'clock. One of the two heard John speak and followed him. I'm sorry. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. So we see that John the Baptist is coming along. He has two disciples following him, and he's talking about the Messiah and Jesus. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. He said, here he is. And so these two disciples, they said, oh, we're going to go follow the Messiah then. You've led us to him. And so they go to follow him. And one of these is Andrew, who then goes to find Simon Peter, who we're going to be reading so much about today. And in this place, he, I just love this. He goes to Peter and he says in verse 41, he says, we found the Messiah. I cannot imagine how that must have been all of their lives. For generations and generations, 
the Jewish people had been looking for their Messiah, the Christ. They had been looking for the anointed one, the one who would fulfill all the promises that God was, had given them. And so I cannot imagine how they all of a sudden realize he's here. He's come. All the generations have been looking for him, and we get to see him. So he's so excited. The first thing he says is, I've got to find my brother. He's going to want to know this too. So we find Simon Peter and shares with him. And I love it that then Simon Peter comes and meets Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says, he says, you're the Simon, the son of Jonah. He knows him. He knows who he is. And he says, you shall be called Cephas. So what Jesus is doing is he's speaking into Simon's Peter's life. And he's giving to him a, um, a prophecy is what he's given to him. He's giving him an understanding of who he is to become. And so he says, you shall be called Cephas. So his name was Simon. And, um, and then now Jesus says he's going to be called Cephas, which in Aramaic means the rock. But in Greek, it would be known as Peter. So he's all the same person. Simon, in Aramaic, would be called Cephas, the rock. In Greek, would be called Peter. But I want you to think about this, this place of the rock. That Jesus, what was he saying to him that day? Was he saying, you know, you're just going to be like a rock on a hill? What was he calling Peter to be? And I want to submit to you that I think what God has shown me is that he was calling him to be steadfast, to be firm, to be solid. So he's speaking these things into Peter's life early on. He's just met him. And I love that place because if you've just met Jesus, he's already speaking into your life what he desires for you. And that's the picture I see here with Peter. Turn with me. Let's look a little more into <clears throat> at Peter's life. Let's go to Matthew 4. It's on page 1114, a few pages back. <clears throat> The thing I want you to remember is that Jesus was already speaking into Peter's life, but Peter doesn't really have relationship with Jesus yet. He's just now come. He's known about him all of his life, and I thought that is so how my testimony was. I knew about Jesus all of my life. I went to church. My parents took me to church, and I was taught about Jesus, but I didn't have relationship with him. But even in these early places, Jesus has a plan. He has a purpose for your life, and he wants to speak into your life. But we each have that opportunity to choose to follow him. I, I wanted to point out in that 
uh, passage we just read that they did. They left where they were. They left John, and they went to follow Jesus. So here in Matthew 4, verse 18... It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brothers, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So this place of following, Jesus always comes to anyone he's calling And he calls them to leave where they are and to follow him. So in the very earlier scripture, we saw that they left following John to go follow Jesus. But they hadn't left their fishing boats yet. And so in this place, Jesus is calling them. They're here by the sea, and they're casting their nets into the sea because they're fishermen. And he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers. Of men, fishers of men, not catching fish anymore, but you will be catching men. All right, turn with me to Luke 5, it's on page 1185. Okay, it says, um, let's start in verse 1. No, let's start in verse 3, I'm sorry. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great multitude of fish, and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they be, uh, that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So I want you to see over here in Luke, he's still fishing. (laughs) He hasn't totally surrendered his life to Jesus yet. And I thought, it's so how we are. We come along and we see Jesus he begins to call us and he says follow me and we give him a little bit of our life and we follow him in a little bit of a way but Jesus is wanting us to follow him completely and we just come and give him a little each time so even here in Luke he he has had this encounter with Jesus he knows who Jesus is he's met him 
He knows that Jesus has called him to follow him, but he's still fishing. And it says they're washing their nets here. And so Jesus gets, <clears throat> goes up to him and, uh, and got into the boat. I just love that. And uh, he gets into his very essence of who he is right in the middle of his work, right in the middle of what he's doing. Jesus steps into his life. And he says, now, I'm going to show you how your work can really even be magnified. And he says, push out from shore just a little bit. Well, I don't know, but I thought this was awesome because I'm not a, a great big uh, fisherman. But, you know, it says he launches, he says to go out from the land just a little bit. And, and then he says, launch out into the deep and let down your, your catch. Because you can't just fish here by the shore. So Jesus said, come on out here in the deep with me. But I think there's a picture beyond just being a fisherman here that says you've got to get into the deep waters. Jesus is speaking to Simon and saying, I need you to come into the deep places. Follow me out here in the deep things. And then cast your net. And Simon is saying, listen, we've been out here. We've been fishing. We didn't catch anything. But I love what he says. But master, We've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. He says, but, you know, I, I, I know you're the Messiah. We already have determined that. So because of who you are, I'll do this. And so he lets down his nets, and he has more fish than he could ever imagine. They're beginning to tear the net, the the nets, and so he calls his partners and says, "You know, y'all got to get over here." And there is so so many fish; it's just an abundance that God was showing him. If you will follow me, I will cause things to happen in your life as they need to be. And then my favorite part of this story comes in line, in a, I'm sorry, in verse 8, when it says, when Peter saw it. Has there ever been a time in your life when you saw it? Oh, I can remember there are so many places in my life when I have seen Jesus right in the middle of my situation and I saw it. And so I pray he's been in the middle of each one of your situations he has. This is how Jesus works in our lives. And he wants you to see it. Not just see that Jesus helped you in a situation, but to see that he is who he says he is. And that he has authority if you will surrender your life to him. And it, and it impacted Peter in such a powerful way because he knew all of a sudden he knew you're the Christ you're the Messiah you are the anointed one that he falls down on his knees he sees his sinfulness so if you've ever been in a situation when you've seen God work and he does something powerful it not only helps you to go, oh, man, that is so awesome. God, look at what you did. But it drives you to your knees, to your brokenness, to see who you are before him.
So Jesus does signs and wonders, not just to make our day go well, not to just help us see the abundance that he will do in our life, even though that is a part of it. He is showing him that. He says, you can trust me. I will help you in all areas of your life. But he's doing it also that we might recognize who he is and who we are, and it would drive us to our knees. I see in this place that, that Simon still did not have a relationship with Jesus understanding who he was until that very moment. And all of a sudden his relationship begins to change. That relationship of depending upon Jesus as the Messiah because he is a sinful man. So turn with me to Mark, it's on page 1162, Mark 8. Starting in verse 27, it says, Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. So Peter has seen. He has recognized in this place that we were talking about. He saw that he was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And so he answers quickly. And then in verse um, 30 it says, And he strictly warned them that they should not that they should tell no one about him and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribe, scribes and be killed and after three days rise again okay so Jesus is saying I don't want you to tell everybody this right now I have to fulfill the things in the scripture that I'm going to suffer I'm going to uh, be killed and after three days rise again so Jesus is explaining to them how things will be he's the Messiah Peter has just declared that he is the Christ and verse 32 says and he spoke this word openly then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him that is the most amazing place to me Jesus is saying, this is how this is going to be. Peter recognizes he's the Messiah, and yet Peter is arguing with Jesus, the Messiah, with the Christ. But the crazy thing about seeing this is not that just Peter would do this, but we do this. 
we come to church and we declare that Jesus is the Messiah and we sing praises and that he uh, praised the king and, and that he's the great I am and we, and we leave here trusting that he is who he says he is. But when things don't look like we think they should, we begin to rebuke God. We begin to rebuke Jesus. We give him our opinion. I've heard it said so many times that it's okay to be angry with God. He has big shoulders. Uh, that is not biblical. And I think in this place right here, we see how Jesus responds to Peter. So in verse 33, he says, But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see, Jesus knew that the words coming out of Peter's mouth were from God's enemy, Satan. That he had implanted this place. And Peter had willingly spoken it out. So in this place of thinking that when things are not going the way we think they should, that God's okay with our thoughts about it is not biblical. Jesus rebuked Peter. Let's look at uh, one more page, uh, 1146, Matthew 26. Matthew 26 on page 1146, verse 31. Jesus is having the Passover meal with his disciples right shortly before he will be crucified. So starting in verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all of the disciples. They're all like, Yeah, 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 we're all willing to die. We're not going to stumble here. So again, I see that Jesus is making a, a statement of how it will be. And, Jesus, and Peter and the disciples, again, are given their two bits about how they feel like it is going to be and what they think will happen. I just see us so clearly in this place. But if you look across the page, the words of Jesus came true, starting in verse 69. 
It says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them, all saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know that man. And a little later, those who stood by came and said to Peter, Surely you also are are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he he went out and wept bitterly. So I see that, once again, Peter thinks he knows how it is going to be. And I also see that in this place, it is so much like us. We are trying to walk faithfully sometimes, and we are like, no, I'm going to overcome this place, and I'm not going to stumble, and I'm not going to do this. And we're declaring these places of righteousness like Peter was doing. But Jesus knows where we are and so he sees that he stumbles but I see that he wept bitterly I see that his heart was broken over this place so I see so clearly how his his heart is wanting to follow and to be faithful but his flesh is weak and I think this is so important I want you to hold on to what I just said there turn with me back to John 21 now And starting in verse 4, it's on page 1250, I'm sorry. Page 1250. John 21, it says, but verse 4. But when the morning had come now, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now, if you're thinking, like I did, I thought that is so funny. You put your heavy coat on to get into, or your heavy outer garment to get into the water. That didn't make sense. But as I did a little studying, most people believe that he had taken off everything but his loincloth. And so, out of respect, he would put his clothes on to go and see Jesus. So I I do understand that better now. Then verse 8 says, But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, 
but about 200 cubits, dragging, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land, full of large fish, 153. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dare ask him, Who, you, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. What I see in this place is that Simon Peter jumped out of the boat. He put on his outer garment out of respect for Jesus, and he wasn't waiting for the boat to go in. He's had his ups and his downs. His times when he failed and stumbled, and his times when Jesus restored him. And he was anxious to see Jesus. I don't think that this is the first time that, well, it's not the first time. He had seen Jesus two times earlier, as we saw in John 20. So this was not the first time that he saw Jesus. I think the first two times that he saw Jesus, I think they talked about this place. I think he told him, I'm so sorry. He wept bitterly. His heart was broken for this place where he had betrayed, or not betrayed, I'm sorry, denied Jesus three times. But I think he came to a place when he first saw Jesus and, and, and said, I, 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 I did this wrong. And I... I think he and Jesus had already worked through that. Many people believe that this was a place now of Jesus restoring him in the next few verses. I don't think that's the case, and I'll tell you why as we go along. I think he had already been restored, and his heart was full and excited to see Jesus. So starting now in verse 13, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So I think we can see some understandings as we look at the Greek words to what is going on here. So I want to share with you, starting in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Simon, son of Jonah, he had changed his name on the very first time to Peter but Jesus is calling him 
by his given name, not by the name that Jesus gave him, but by the name, his earthly name. His parents gave him this name of Simon. I believe what Jesus is doing is he's speaking back into this place of the flesh, of the place where Simon was battling back and forth with this, the spirit and the flesh. I know what's right to do. I know I shouldn't stumble. I know I should leave the fishing boats. I know I should follow after you. But, but then his flesh gets in the way, and he finds himself going back. So I think Jesus is speaking to that place of the place that is tossed back and forth. And he says in here, he says, Do you, and the word is agape me, more than these. This word agape, we've talked about this before. It's a place of pure devotion. It's a place that some say it's an unconditional love. I loved how Daniel taught us one time. He said, it's a love that's not changed by the conditions around you. It's a sacrificial love. And Jesus is saying, do you love me like this? Do you love me the way I love? And he's speaking to him in this fleshly place, and he's saying, do you agape me more than these? More than these. I've read several commentaries, and different people have lots of thoughts on this, but my thought is, I think it means all of it. He's saying, more than the fishing boats that were difficult for you to leave to follow me, more than the nets, more than the business that you have, more than the partner, more than the other disciples that are here, that you think you have a greater love for me than them. Do you really? He's saying everything. Do you love me more than everything else? And he said to him, so Simon Peter answers and says, Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. So he changes the word that Jesus uses from agape to best friends. He says, you know I love you as a friend, as a brother. I have this great brotherly love for you. And I see that that Peter is intentionally changing that because I I think he knows. I'm giving you all I can. And then it comes on in verse, um, right after that, and Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. So I think Jesus is speaking into his life, and he says, in this place that I'm speaking and prophesying to you, he's actually calling Simon Peter into a place to agape love. And I know that, that Jesus knows he's going to get there. And so Jesus is prophesying into his life, and he's saying, when you get there, feed my lambs. The ones that he, he knows he's going to give him, the ones that are young to the word, 
the ones that are ex exciting to see God changing their lives. And he's calling Peter into this place and he's saying, feed those that I give you, those little lambs. Then verse 16 says, and he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? So Jesus is speaking into his life one more time. He's saying, in this fleshly place where you are, are you capable of giving me this unconditional, sacrificial, pure and devoted love? And Simon Peter responds back to him, and he says, Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. You know I brotherly love you. You know you're my best friend. I thought about this when I was reading this because I thought about so many people that have I've heard say, Jesus is my best friend. I just want to throw up. <laughs> I just go, no, he's not your best friend. He's the Messiah. But that's kind of where Peter is. He's saying, I've, you know, I'm going to brotherly love you. We're going to be close. But Jesus is not okay with that. So if you continue to see, he says, tend my sheep. So again, I think he's prophesying into where Peter is because he knows he's not going to leave Peter in this place, that Peter is not going to stay here. But he's saying this time, tend, shepherd. The word here is really shepherd my sheep. And I, I thought about this sheep and lambs, and I thought, Lord, why do you use lambs one time and sheep another? And then I saw it so clearly, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, Sometimes as we come along, lambs are so fun to cuddle and, and give a, a little pet. If you've ever been to the, the petting zoos and, and you can rub your hands and they're just soft and, and they're sweet and, and maybe you can feed them a little bottle and they just stand right there and they're just easy. But sheep, oh my goodness, they're not. They're dirty and they kind of push you around if you're out there trying to give them food or something. They push up against you and, and they butt each other and they push each other out of the way. And they're not very smart. They don't follow very easily. And, and they require a lot. And I thought, yeah. So in this place where Jesus is saying, do you have the kind of love for me that you would tend to these sheep? The ones that are difficult to love, the ones that are not just so warm and cuddly believers, but the ones that are a little more difficult. We don't have any of those in our group, but the, the world would know that there are some out there in, in, that are difficult and that require more from you. And he's calling Simon in this place. And then he says to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah. And then he says, do you phileo me? He meets Peter right where he is. And he says, well, do you brotherly love me? 
And Simon was a little uh, grieved because he had said this the third time, do you, Phileo, love me? So he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So again, the third time, he's saying, I'm going to meet you right where you are. You're in this fleshly place, and you don't understand yet. But the prophecy I'm going to give you is that you will feed my sheep. I began to understand so clearly what Jesus was saying several years ago when God helped me this in this place and, and just opened it up. And what he began to show me, he said, You see, they have not gone to Jerusalem yet. What Jesus knows is that they are in this situation and Simon Peter cannot love the way he's calling him to love until he's gone to Jerusalem to receive the promise of the Father. But when he goes to Jerusalem, and I want to share with you that last little bit. Hope Put your marker here. We're going to come back. Look at Luke 24. It's on page 1219. This is one of the last times that Jesus is speaking with his disciples. And um, starting in verse 46, and he says to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and the remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. So verse 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you endure, are endured with power from on high. What I want you to grab hold of is that Jesus had already breathed on them the Holy Spirit in John 20. Before his conversation with Peter, but before they go to Jerusalem. Now turn with me over to Acts. It's on page 1252. Acts 1, page 1252. Starting in verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be immersed, baptized, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then look down at verse 8. But you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But you shall receive power. You shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You shall be immersed in the Holy Spirit. I believe with all my heart that he is teaching Peter right here. You can't do this where you are. You have no ability to love in this agape love. You can only phileo love, which is a good place to be. But the place I'm calling those disciples, those who follow me, not just Peter, but he's speaking to all of us today. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. We cannot do the work that Jesus has for us to do in a phileo love. And we cannot come to agape love unless we have been immersed in the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and prepared for the work then that he will do in your life. It's being all in. I love as, as we studied before in, in Acts, as they come and they sit, 120 of them, and they, they're singing and, and, and sharing and, and waiting on what would come because Peter didn't even know what all this meant. All he knew is that Jesus is prophesying. But what will happen is once the Holy Spirit comes, these words that Jesus has spoken will all come back and flood him. And he will know, now, now I can truly feed your lambs. I can shepherd your sheep. I can feed your sheep. I can agape you, Lord. And out of my agape love for you will come the mission that you've sent me on. The title of this message that God has for us today is called The Call. The Call. You see, he's calling Peter out of who he was born to be into who God has born him again to be. So as he was born again, he received the Holy Spirit, yes. But Jesus is calling him even out of that place into a place of power and authority to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. Just as he's calling Peter, I believe he calls each and every one of us. I think he calls us to begin to follow him. And as a young person trying to understand who Jesus is, following is the best we can do. Is trying to just follow. And I believe that that has a place and a purpose. But as we follow, we begin to grow in this relationship that we saw Peter growing into. And we begin to recognize that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God. And when we really recognize that, then no longer are we just following. But it brings us to our knees. And we are broken for who we are before him. But I believe then in our relationship with Jesus, we find struggles where we're trying to follow and be faithful to Jesus. But the flesh keeps dragging us back and forth. 
Jesus gets to this place and he brings them here to this place to say there's something more. There is this place of being filled with power, not just the Holy Spirit that brings you to salvation, but there is a power that would take you beyond where you are into the mission, into the purpose that God has for each and every one of our lives. Sometimes we think about call, the call being for pastors or evangelists, and you hear people say, well, I received the call and, and, and whatever. I don't, I, I don't know what to say about all this, but what I want to say about the truth of it is is that the call is for every one of us for the purpose that he has for us. Some will be pastors and some will be evangelists and some will be teachers, but I promise you, he has a call on your life. And I believe that's the message that Peter has today. And Jesus' followers that all received his call went to Jerusalem. And all received the power. Not for our will, but for his will and his purpose and for his glory. I believe today God is calling us to see today that he has more for each and every one of us here. I believe that with all my heart, that he wants to change you again today, to draw you into deeper waters, to draw you out from the places of where you are. That yes, to fill your basket full, not with the earthly things, but with the spiritual things. That you would have an abundance and be prepared to walk into the purposes he has for you. As I started this message, I said, I believe that this is a little bit of a, a forerunner to what we're going to be studying on Friday nights, and I believe that to be true. It's a deep place that we're going to step into, but a place that I think God desires for each one of us to know how to better walk in the authority and the power that he desires for us to have. So I, I, I pray that you'll pray about being there on Friday nights. And, and if you can't be uh, with us because you're uh, out of town, I, I pray that you'll be able to join us in our uh, messages on the videos. If you're here today and you feel that God is awakening you, I pray that you would come to the back and you would let one of us pray for you, that you would see this power, that you would see this change in your life, that you would be able to receive the things that God is talking about. Sometimes we get this confused with walking into the gifts. There are gifts that do support this place of being immersed in the Holy Spirit. But as you see today, 
the very place that Jesus was calling Peter first was not to step into a gift, but step into the greatest of love. So this is a place that I believe we are praying for today, is a place to love not as a phileo, but as agape, the Messiah. Stand with me, please. See?